difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. You got your problems. I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bow cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. Welcome back, everyone, to its uh, last call. Last call with the alcohol only on, well, this is the YouTube channel here. And now we've been, uh, we, we can't go to the fights anymore due to COVID. Well, we are bringing the fighters to you guys here. And this man will be fighting on April 17th, pay-per-view. They'll be taking on Omar Figueroa on the Ruiz versus Ariola card. Well, action is going to be expected. It's because somebody's getting knocked out, and this man plans to do the knocking out. I give you once again the pride and joy of uh, Arizona. I give you Abel Ramos. Uh, Abel, is this the perfect fight for you? A guy who comes forward, not tricky. He's just stands his ground, you know, throws power shots. Is this for you like the perfect fight? Um, I think it is, man. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a, a great matchup for for my style. You know, it's he's a guy that comes forward and just throws a lot of punches, and um, I think we can we can make a a great fight for the fans. When you see him, what makes him so dangerous? I mean, I know he's a guy like yourself. He's coming up from 140 to 147. Why is he such a, a knockout you know, hit puncher, even though he's jumping up in weight class? Um, I think it's his pressure, man. He, he, he puts a lot of pressure on the guys. You know, he comes forward, throws a lot of punches. And you know that that sometimes it's a it's a big a big problem for for some fighters you know to deal with that pressure, you know they fall into his game plan and um, I think that's why that that's why um, he got to where he got to in his career you know with with the pressure and a lot of punches. So how do you deal? How do you deal with that? I mean, when you have a guy who comes forward and tries to overwhelm you with pressure, how do you stop somebody like that? You gotta keep calm, man, and you gotta um, have a strong jab, you know, to to stop him stop him on his tracks and um and stay calm you know stay calm and and, and work little by little man because you get if you get um frustrated you know and trying to knock him out or trying to stop him you know it's not it's probably not going to happen you know so just stay calm and, and work work behind your jab and try to keep him at, at a distance how much do you feel it helps that You've already gone through that, the Brian Perella fight, a fight where he comes forward, likes to use the power jab, falls through the overhand right. It's He's a little more refined, I'd guess, than Omar, and maybe not as super aggressive, but is it safe to say that Perella gives you the, the blueprint for Figueroa? I think so, man. I, um, I was actually thinking about that as well. And um, I think Perella, Perella's just, um, he was a little, you know, a little slicker, more movement. And I think he's big. He was way bigger. You know, he's he's tall. He's a big welterweight. So you know, um, I'm definitely gonna use that experience in, in this fight. And um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be uh helpful for me. You know, to have that to have that um that fight with Perella and, and use it in, in this fight as well. We're gonna go back to this fight in a bit, and the the whole I guess let's say uh, notoriety of it and everything, but. Take me back to the last fight. It was you versus Udanis Ugas, split decision loss. Uh, take me to the early rounds because it was looking like, and I'm watching this, maybe I'm wrong, that you're trying to you know, catch him with a counter shot, that you're trying to sort of lead him into 
you know, using the big counter right hand? What happened? Like, what was it about him that made him difficult in those first four or five rounds? Yeah, man, we're definitely trying to, you know, set a counter punch up. Um, but Ugas is tricky, man. He's a, he's a counter puncher as well. You know, you have, we had to be uh, careful with him because he, he you no, know, I, I felt, you know, he was, he was very strong as well. You know, he felt really, really heavy in there, you know, and, um, you know, I was just, you know, being, being careful, not, 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 not going in too early, you know, because, you know, that's when he was the strongest, you know, in the early, early rounds. How much does it hurt that he has a very damn good jab and it's not like, you know, he's a one punch knock at ours, but it's a jab. It hurts. He throws it in different, sometimes angles, different speeds and, He'll you and we saw he used a lot of that in those first couple of rounds where he wants to keep separation. He's keeping separation, and you really can't just come forward without getting eating, you know, two or three jabs. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, no, that's that's just um the way of, of, of him. That's the way he fights. You know, he keeps a strong jab and you know stays on the outside, you know, wait, waits for you to make a mistake so he can counter. Last question on this fight before we leave it. Uh, would you, ch- if you could redo it over again, would you change? I mean, would you try to be more aggressive or was this something that you just look and go, you know, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. It's either death by a thousand cuts or death by me getting knocked out by a counter shot because I'm being too wild. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, You know, I can't, I can't, you know, can't go back and change the, change the, the outcome, you know, but definitely I, I think I could have been more aggressive, you know. I think I could have um, took taken more chances in the early rounds, and um, but you know it is what it is. You know, you'll never know. Maybe, maybe I would have gotten too wild and get caught with the punch, you know. But um, it is what it is, man. And um, just gotta keep moving forward and and correct those mistakes in the future fights. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again we got Abel Ramos here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, with Danis Ugas. We're talking Omar Figueroa. Let's talk about last year, just COVID. It was a weird time for a lot of us, including yourself, where you're fighting on, on basically on Fox, and yet there's no crowd. You can hear your corner basically like pitch, you know, pitch clear. He can hear his corner. How tough is that sometimes when it's, you know, you, you feed off the crowd, you feed off the emotion, and there's no emotion. It's basically almost like a, a sparring session. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what it felt like, man. Um, you know, you can hear the corner, and sometimes when you're sparring, you know, you yell out something, so the the other fighters kind of expecting it. So you know, I think it's a little bit of an edge, you know, for fighters. You know, the trainer yells something, and you you already know what's coming. And just like in sparring, you know, that's that's what it felt like. But um, other than that, the fight for me just felt the same, you know. It, uh, I don't really, I'm not the type to feed off of the crowd that much. So, you know, for me, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of better just to stay focused more on the fight and not, not on the crowd. I know when I talked to a lot of veteran fighters, either in MMA or boxing, we said the toughest thing was always putting on the brave face, which is you're, you're, you know, you're telling your teammates, your cornermen, your younger fighters, hey, don't worry, we're going to get through this. And yet, you're freaking out because businesses are closed. You have no idea what's going to happen. When am I going to fight next? Where money comes in? How tough was that for you when it's there's family involved in this? I mean, Jesus Ramos Jr. is probably going, okay, what the hell is going on? What's going on with COVID? How tough is it for you sometimes being the 
calm, cool, collective one when inside you're going, okay, I'm getting freaked out here by COVID. What the hell's going on? When's the economy going to open up? And when am I getting my next paycheck? Yeah, man, it was tough. Um, I, I think it was tough for a lot of fighters, you know, because after the Perella fight, that's when um, everything started to fall apart. Um, I remember my nephew was going to have a fight like a month from there, and then that got canceled. So, you know, that's when I started freaking out, you know, just like, man, like, well, when am I going to fight again? But um, I was definitely blessed, man, with those fights, you know, to be active in it during COVID. And, you know, just just blessed, man, because it, it is a struggle and it, it is something that crosses your mind all the time, you know, like the, this, the, this is how we make a living and we got to fight. Your cousin is now... Or sorry, your nephew is now in the welterweight division. You are fighting in the welterweight division. Does it get awkward now? Because he's starting to move up in the ranks. He's start, they're starting to push him heavily here. You're both chasing after the same thing. How does this work now when it's no longer, you know, uncle, ne- you know, nephew relations now? Both of you guys are sort of eyeing for the same fights and you're trying to, you know, balance it with family. It's it's not awkward at all, man. We we're we're family, you know, we you know, there's, there's no, it's not like, you know, we see each other as, as, as competitors, you know, it, nothing like that, man. We, there's a lot of room for boxing, you know, and, and boxing to, to, you know, for everyone to, to make a living, you know, and, and, you know, we, we're, we're just learning along the way as well. And, you know, getting, getting, getting closer to the bigger fights, we just stay motivated, man. And, um, and keep each other um hungry and, you know, just push each other in the in trainings. This fight, once again, it's going to be. As, uh, for, I made a mistake. April twenty fourth pay per view. As of now, it's all Latinos. It's yourself versus Omar Figueroa. It's Jesus Ramos, Javier Molina. It's Andy Ruiz, Chris Ariola. It's uh, there's a lot, and there's going to be more fighters probably on this card. But how? For years, you know, PBC was always sort of African American some Europeans, and now we're seeing this, you know, more Latinos coming on here. You're part of that first group. What is that like now where, you know, you guys are having your own card. It's all the top, you know, Latino fighters. It's all, you know, the guys who are either the young generation or the, I won't say old, but middle generation. What is that like now when this card is all about you guys, you know, you, the ones who made the decision to go, okay, we're signing with Al and he's rewarding it with a big pay-per-view card. Yeah, man, I think it's great. You know, I think it's great to you know show that PBC, you know, has has all the type of fighters, you know, and, and um this this card is just gonna show, you know, that they got one of the they got the best Mexican fighters out there, you know, or Hispanic fighters out there, you know. And um, you know, I hope this this card, you know, lives up to the to the expectations. You know, an all Mexican show, you know, people are gonna expect uh, great fights. And, you know, we're going to do our part to to make it exciting for the fans. As we said, it all comes down to you versus Omar Figueroa. Winner of this fight, you're back in the hunt. You're getting a big title fight here. Uh, loser starts looking, going, okay, well, am I, am I a gatekeeper? Am I going to be taking on prospects? What goes on here? Uh, it's, a, it's an emotional fight because, you know, you're, you're focusing on the fight, but you're focusing on your future. How big is it for you to just – not focus on all that, just figure, okay, first minute of a round, first two minutes of a round, and then go forward and just focus on the task at hand. Yeah, exactly, man. That's that's the thing we got to do, you know, just 
just focus on the fight, man, and uh, and on uh, doing the game plan and having a great training camp. And you know, not not put those kind of pressures on yourself because you know that that could take you off your your game that on on fight night. So you know that's that's something that I'm not I'm not even thinking about. I'm just thinking about the fight and um, preparing for the fight and and having the, the the right game plan. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you it is uh, one of the rising still uh, welterweight contenders in the business. I give you Abel Ramos. Uh, Abel, before I let you go. Where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, the Instagram website? Where can fans hit you up at? Yeah, on Facebook, just Abel Ramos. And on Instagram, Abel Ramos Boxing. You know, stay tuned and I'll, I'll be posting all my upcoming fights on, on social media. So, you know, thank you guys for, for your support. And um, expect a great fight April 24th. Abel Ramos, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. We come back. Or stay tuned for more great interviews here only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol. It is uh, the Last Call uh, YouTube radio channel. to its last call last call with the alcohol only on it is the last call uh on only on the blue the blue wire house network and join me on the line well this young lady here well she is going to be fighting once again bellator 256 it's going to be once again the beginning of this light heavyweight grand prix with bader machida you got Jeremy Kennedy versus Adam Boris, but this thing is going to be in action. The main card making her Bellator debut, and well, she's ready to uh, upset the apple cart, as they say. I give you uh, a pride and joy of Tennessee. I give you Olivia Parker. Olivia, you, Katzingano, have you stopped pinching yourself yet? Have you, has it now sunk in that you're actually fighting a former UFC title challenger, somebody who is a household name and you're getting a chance to get paid to beat up her and upset the apple cart yeah i mean it's i still pinch myself a little bit um but you know it's it's real enough that we're in the weight cut and we're, we're fight camping and going super hard and getting ready so in that way it's real and i'm going to approach this just as i would as any other fight you know um go out there and and continue to trust the process and do the things that my coaches have been telling me to do and try to improve upon my last performance and, you know, just do the things I've got to do. All right. So let's break it down here. You are in theory, 
the bigger woman. You're five foot ten. She's five foot eight. They say maybe a little bit shorter. Uh, what makes her dangerous? Like you and your team have now broken it down. You've watched some tape. You've seen, or sorry, five foot six. So what makes her dangerous? When you see her, what makes her such a dangerous fighter compared to other fighters you faced in the past? I mean, she's a. I mean, honestly, if one is she's got. I mean. I mean, what, 15, 16 fights, professional minimum under her name. So she's very seasoned. Um, so she, she's going to go in there and she knows what she's doing. She's, she's been in every bad situation before and she's dealt with it. So that makes her incredibly dangerous. Um, also, she's got, you know, she's a good striker. She's a great grappler and wrestler. I mean, she's brown belt in jujitsu. So she's got a lot of things going. She's, she's dangerous anywhere you take her. So, I mean, that makes her you know, a very dangerous opponent. And so, I mean, you have to respect her everywhere. How big is it for you to start off fast? Because that's when you notice a lot of her fights, whether it's uh, the, the famous Ronda Rousey fights, or even wins where Amanda Nunez, Keisha Tate, losses to Pena, Vera. Those that first run, it takes her a while to get out of, you know, traction. It's almost like she's, doesn't want to get tired out, doesn't want to get, you know, sort of, you know, you know, maybe run into something bad. How big is it for you to start off and just make her realize, hey, you're the bigger woman. You're the stronger woman here. This is not going to be some cakewalk, you know, that she's just coming in your belt all with. I think it's super important to start to start well. Um, I don't think I need to finish her or that's even something we're working. I mean, like not not at least immediately, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like what needs to happen is I need to make sure that she knows that if she comes, she tries to take me down, that she's going to eat a few shots doing so, you know what I mean? Like, um, making sure that the power is respected, you know? Um, but at the same time, both of us, if you watch us both fight, I mean, I also like to play on the ground. So, I mean, like, um, at this point, you know, um, I'm just worried about, you know, not necessarily maybe coming out faster or, or, or not. It's coming out and just doing the things that I know that I need to do in order, um, you know, to be, to have success and to be successful in this fight. Her last fight out, she won by unanimous decision against Gabrielle Holloway. It was a good win, not a great win. Do you take anything from that? I mean, she, she so it was her first real fight, you could say, at 145, you know, in mm -hmm. belt, or does that, do you look at that and say, well, I might be able to exploit this. I might be able to take advantage of that. I could, I know, this is something I can literally, you know, maybe use against her. Um, you know, one fight is in, in a, in a, she's got so many um, that we've gone back and watched. So it's hard to see, you know, it's first fight with a new promotion. Um, you know, it, so it's kind of hard to be like, well, this is what she's going to do based on this one fight. So um, you know, there are things that we looked at and, and saw and said, well, we might can run with that. But there are also some things that were like, well, that happened in that fight. But in other fights, it's not been that way. So it's kind of one of those where it's more looking at what we think, how we think she'll deal with me and the problems that I present. You know, because like you said, I am the bigger fighter. I'm the longer fighter. So um she's going to have to get in and deal with 510 and she's going to want to get, get in and deal with, you know, the longer arms and the longer striking. And at the same time, like I'm the, I'm also larger, like I'm 
more than likely um, she's fought as little as what, 125 before so um i'm betting i'm probably cutting more weight so i'm probably going to bounce back up a little bit bigger so i mean like those are things that she has to deal with um, and that's those are concerns striking and those are concerns you know on the ground and a fighter is seasoned as her she's going to have she's going to beat the point now where she has game plans for every fight so you know you're looking at that saying well how does she deal with me and um i think looking at her first fight at featherweight and seeing how she dealt with a larger opponent um that was helpful but at the same time i'm not that fighter either so you know, I'm going to present a different set of circumstances and she's going to, you know, handle me in a different way. So I think to a certain extent, what you have to do is say, okay, these are the things that I need to get better at to be successful, um, you know, to fight what she's going to show me, what we know that she will do. And this is what I have to do in order to win, you know? So that's kind of where we've approached it from. Take us back to your last fight. You, Chelsea uh, Chandler. Didn't go according to plan. Uh, what nope. went right? What went wrong? Um, when did you start realizing that it was just not your night? No, no matter what happened, it was just like, okay, I I don't know what the hell what how the hell happened to me with this was not the kind of fight that I envisioned myself doing. I mean, almost immediately. I mean, like you know, I I mean, it was one of those things where you just. I was fine and I got in the cage and then it was like all of a sudden I just wasn't. And I was like, I don't I mean for me, usually I get in the cage and I feel like, you know, a flip just the switch just flips and I, and I, and I'm there and I'm competing and, you know, I, I don't know if maybe it was just, I put too much pressure on myself or I didn't put enough pressure on myself, but you know, we walked here from that fight and realized that the issue in that fight was not my ability. It was not the game plan because my coaches and my teammates are phenomenal. The issue is with something between the ears just did not, <laughs> I, and I'm not sure what it was, you know, it, and you can't say that it was, it was COVID. You can't say that it was a rough fight camp because it, it rains on both sides of the fence. So the long run, I had to, you know, walk out of that cage. It's my first loss ever. Um, and you don't, you know, and I recognize that MMA is, the, the beauty and the danger of the sport is that it can be over in a swing, you know, no matter how much better than someone else you are, they land a punch in the right spot. It's over. So you, you go into a, any fight knowing that, you know, that that L is, I mean, not many fighters go very, very long or their entire career without taking a loss. So, I mean, like, um, but you don't want it to come like that. Um, and not when it's your first fight on a major promotion. And it was just like, I remember walking out of that cage and being like, what just happened? I mean, like, what, what, what was that? And I just looked at my coach at Taylor and, and Turner and she just kind of was like, well, and I was like, well, you know, and she goes, and so, you know, it just kind of became going back and, you know, looking in the mirror and, um, you know, um, I knew that, I, I mean, I, it was one, it wasn't, I walked out of the cage and thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, you know, I want right back in there now. Like that is not how that needs to go. You know, I was mad. I was so angry at myself for, you know, for what had happened. And it was just get, get back, go to the drawing board and, you know, and kind of, as you work through this camp, figure out, you know, where things went wrong and, you know, what, what mindset issues are you dealing with? And, you know, and, and figuring out how that went in this fight camp. I know, I feel like I've grown a lot from that. Um, I've, um, I've, you know, dealt with a lot of things that we talked about a lot with um, 
you know, everyone has dragons are real. You know, they're they're issues that seem super small at first, and you sweep them under the rug. And you don't worry about them, but in the moment when everything is on the line that's when the dragon comes out and the question is do you slay that dragon or does that dragon you know eat you and you lose that night and that night I, there were dragons I didn't even know existed and when I got in that cage there they were I mean and they were honestly there before I got in the cage I feel like I just I think I thought that I could handle things that were going on around me and worries and fears and frustrations and um and, and not, and not talk about it. And, um, you know, and I didn't trust my teammates in that. I didn't trust my coaches in, enough to say, Hey, I'm not okay right now. You know? And I was like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I wasn't, you know? <laughs> so, um, I feel like, you know, I've learned from that. I've learned to be more communicative. I've gotten closer. I feel like with my coaches because of, you know, of that. And, you know, I just kind of been working a lot on the mental side of it because I mean, fighting is so mental. You get in there, you think it's physical and it's this battle and you get in there and, but it's really, it's so mental. And I feel like that was the part of my game that I, you know, I really wasn't taking care of. So we call it shadow work, you know, in, in the gym and really working on, you know, finding those dragons and being ready to slay them when, when they do rear their head. And so you know, this time it's more about slaying the dragons and doing the things that I, you know, I need to do in order to be successful, both in between the ears and with physically in the cage. Last question on this here, and I know you said you don't believe in snow. It's not Cobra, it's not camp. How much of it was just about most fighters I talk to are creatures of habit. When they fight, they love that crowd. You know, it's, they love to have the atmosphere. It just pumps you in. It sort of takes you into a different place. How much do you look mm -hmm. back at that fight and just go, well, without the fans, it was different. And maybe, you know, as I said, maybe mentally played on you because you're, you're thinking about different things. All of a sudden, you don't have that noise to sort of shut it out. There's no adrenaline. For that first time out, it felt just weird where it's like, okay, this is weird. I don't have that same vibes. There's no crowd. It just, everything feels off because it's like almost the first time you put on a new pair of sneakers. It hurts your feet because they're not used to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it, 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 but it rains on both ends, you know, I mean, and, and, um, and for me, it wasn't just that there were some, you know, um, and for any fighter that that's going through a fight camp, you don't fight in a vacuum, you don't in a fight camp in a vacuum. So, um, we, you know, in my, our family had some health issues and things like that that happened that were leading up to it. So it wasn't just, I mean, and now and it was different you know it was different it wasn't just the crowdless fight camp although I mean the, the crowdless fight because I mean like we train all the time in the gym and while yes you know you you get you like I like the crowd I feed off the crowd at the same time like you know there was still adrenaline like you're still going in there and there's cameras and there's lights and it still felt like I was walking into a fight so that that wasn't it at all I, I don't feel like but you know but like it was different with COVID you know the, the masks and you know, we got to the hotel and, and Vic did a lot of things to try to keep the fighters safe. And they, they did what they thought was right. And, you know, the, we know what, we didn't get COVID. We, it was safe. And, but at the same time, it was so different. You know, you arrive at the hotel and you took us to the grocery store and you're in the hotel room for two straight days. And like, you know, me and me and Taylor figured out how many down the backs in the hotel room equal to a mile. And so you're, you're doing those things 
but we're but both me and Chelsea were doing those things and and, the, and in the long run it just she dealt with the hand that we were given better than I did you know um and that's and that's part of being a great fighter and that's part of being you know a champion is that you walk into that that cage and whatever whatever's coming at you you deal with it and so do I think that that was part of it probably but I mean like you can't I mean it Chelsea that was the same thing that I did and she just came out that night and it, for her it wasn't as, as an issue for me you know whatever was going on I just I think it was a whole lot of things um but you know that's on me that is on me to to know you know this is what I'm going to deal with and I have to be ready to handle that. And so that's, that's been part of it, you know, like understanding that you can't create a perfect fight camp. I can't control the world around me. You know, I'm a teacher. So I'm, you know, this whole time I'm going to work, you know, I'm dealing with students all day and their needs and helping kids find their way through a pandemic. And we're talking about ninth graders who are old enough to understand, you know, and to see things and to pick up on things. And so it's, you've got those hurts on you and everything else. I mean, I can't control what's being fed into me I have to control what's in me and that's kind of been the battle that we've had to learn that I've had to take on myself and start really working through and trusting my teammates to you know to talk to them when I when I need to you know like hey I'm nervous or hey I had a really rough day today because before I was just like yeah I'm good I'm fine yeah everything's great even when it wasn't because I you know just just how I, I tend to be and that's not healthy and it, it you know for me it burned me and Invicta so um I'm learning to be more communicative and to you know to deal with that stuff instead of just be like I'm like later later this is what I tend to do so I'll deal with it when I have time and the problem is that you can say that all you want to but eventually it's going to catch up with you and you you have to you know you, you can't do that so um that was learning learning curve for me it was a hard tough tough lesson I am so competitive you know and I can I can I'm, I've lived long enough at 39 I've competed long enough to recognize you know that I'm gonna lose I mean played every sports or my animals are having a world war ii in my kitchen um but you know I'm, that's gonna happen um but you don't want to go down in a way where you you know you are so much better than, than what was out there and so you know um I'm ready to get back in the cage you know I've dealt with those things and you know, I've, I've done my shadow work. I'm ready to slay my dragons and go in there and, and show the world what I've got. Win or lose, you know, I'm going in there to trust the process and do the things that I'm working on and to get better, you know, and, you know, all that's all I can do. That's all Kat can do is go in there and play her game plan and we'll see which one of us comes with comes out with a W. I hope it's me. I'm prepared. I've done everything I can do to, to, to be there, you know, but i gonna do everything that I can to win and so is she and then we'll just see what happens in the end one word hope yeah mm -hmm. you, you are fighting a belt or you, you as I said your dream is coming true and as a teacher how much uh, who's more excited about this you or the kids because for a lot of them you know as I said it's been a rough year for kids ninth yeah. graders 10th graders 11th graders you know high school seniors Everything's been taken, you know, a lot of stuff was got locked down, you know, a lot of events got taken away. So when you when you got announced fighting on Bellator, how many kids are looking up going, there's hope, you know, there's hope for us, you know, but things get better. There's hope because here's our teacher who's now, you know, living her dream. 
how much do you look at yourself and you know see that these kids are, are almost more excited about this than you were? I mean, well, they're ninth graders, so they're never actually going to admit that, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, but um, you know, they're they're excited. Um, they're excited. They, you know, the, my te- my my coworkers are crazy excited excited as well. You know, it's it's been super neat, um, and it's a cool thing for them. It is. I mean, because a lot of them, like you, like you said, they, sports have been taken. Um, you know, last year, the prom, well, I mean, these are freshmen, though, so they're coming into high school for the first time, so I'm not dealing with a lot of, a lot of the seniors and juniors that have lost so much, but, you know, they, they are living in a world where everything is so drastically different from what they're used to, um, and for a lot of these, you know, a lot of kids also, it's just, it's just, it's, even with, even without COVID being here, for them, it's, Hey, this is this is what happened, you know. Like, guys, I started out weighing, you know, three hundred and thirty-seven pounds, and I couldn't, you know, walk across from without getting out of breath, let alone fight someone, you know. And this is what I was able to accomplish because I worked hard, you know, and I chased my dreams, and I believed when everyone else told me I was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, this whole ride has just been like. I mean, it's almost like you just hold on and laugh because you can't believe how it's gone and all the things that I've been able to accomplish, you know, and a lot of it's, um, you know, the Lord gave me KMA and he gave me Eric and Taylor and all my teammates. And, you know, the first time I walked into that gym, I tried to leave. Taylor grabbed me and drug me under the mat. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was almost like, this is where I was supposed to be. And they've held me accountable and they've kept me going and, you know, um, and I'm in Bellator because Emily and Jason and Taylor and Nick were there first and they went in and showed them, showed were professional and did a great job and, and did all the right things. And, you know, were amazing, which they are all amazing individuals. And because of my team, then I get a shot too. And I hope that I go out there and do the same thing. So that another one of my teammates later gets the same opportunity that I am. So um, it's just proof you know, in, in every aspect that if you do the right things and you, 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 you pay your sacrifices on that altar for the things that you want and you, you, you know, a lot, of, you're going to, you're going to get them. Um, and, you know, I've tried to show that to my kids. They watched me today at school This a church brought our teachers Chick-fil-A. So, you know, my kids are watching teach walking around eating Chick-fil-A and I'm not because I'm on weight cut, you know, and they're like, Oh, don't you want Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, you know, I want my dreams. I want my goals. You know, I want, I want to fight cats and God on Bellator. Oh, wait, I get to, you know what I mean? Like, and so to me, I think that's been one of the most valuable things to me about this is, and not just my students in my community as well. You know, a lot of people out there think that they're, you know, they're too old or they're set in their ways and they can't change. And I'm like, Hey, I was 32. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you can, you know, throw your excuses aside and just chase that dream. And that's been, one of the coolest things about all this is just that, you know, people see that, you know, and, and I hope that inspires them to, to, you know, to chase those dreams and not to give up and keep going because you can do anything you put your mind to. It all comes down once again, Bellator 26. Uh, she's a professional athlete. And when I say that, I know there's nothing against you, but, you're a teacher who does MMA and you're also a mom and you're also a wife. 
you have several jobs. You have a lot of things you do, whether it's cooking, whether it's, you know, cleaning sometimes because your kids leave a mess. That's not even in school. That's probably at home. You are teaching kids. You are developing minds. You're meeting with parents, you're meeting with teachers. And then you got to get a full camp. All she's paid to do is train, fight, and that's it. How much do you look at this fight and just go, screw it. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not, I, this is house money. I'm taking on somebody who's expected to win. She's, she's supposed to run me over because she's a former title contender. How much do you look at this fight and go, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I don't care. I'm not worried. She's just, an, just, she is this world title fight. I win. And everybody's going to have to look at me and go, you know what? I am a legitimate MMA fighter. You know, I mean, well, well Kat's a mom. So, I mean, like, I, 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 she's she's also got a lot of, and I feel like in that way, we, you know, we feel each other. Um, but, I mean, like, yeah, she has absolutely everything to lose, and I have nothing to lose. I mean, I mean, like, like you said, I'm they're, they're bringing me in there. You know, she's, she, they, they, they're saying, when she wins this fight, she's going to get a title shot. Well, she's got to beat me first, you know, and, um. I think that's one of my, one of the things about this that, you know, that it's an advantage for me is that she comes in here, you know, and I don't think she'll look past. She's a professional athlete. She's a constant professional. She's a, she's a very good fighter. She's been around for a very long time. So I don't think she looks past me, but at the same time, like, you know, she has things to lose. Whereas I walk in like, no, look, I'm supposed to lose to you. So, I mean, like, and I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> so I'm gonna come in here with everything that I've got and, you know, if I go down a blaze of glory, then I go down in a blaze of glory, but I'm going to go out there and do the best that I can. And, you know, there's just nothing to lose for me. It's just going to be, this is, I mean, this is something that I love. Like you said, I'm a professional athlete. I gave that up when I was senior in college playing basketball and my eligibility ran out. I was like, well, guess I'm not going to the NBA, you know, WNBA. I'm done with sports, you know, and here I am at 39, you know, at 37, I became a professional fighter. And I'm just like, I'm a pro athlete at 37 and it's MMA. Like, you know, who I win. I mean, like I've already won. It's, and this is something that I just absolutely love to do. And I love, I mean, I love to compete. If I go to Kroger and we're walking side by side into buggies, we're racing and you don't know that, but I do. And I'm beating you down the aisle. So, I mean, like for me, this is, this is fun. This is this thing that I, that I love. And I, I mean, for her, it is too, but I feel like I get to go in there and enjoy this moment, you know, and, and eat and drink it up and, and just live my life and seize and seize it. And, um, I felt there's a lot more on her shoulders and I, you know, I walked into that Invicta fight undefeated. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself that didn't belong there. And so I know what that feels like to go out there and be like, well, I'm supposed to win this, you know, and, and um and for her it's legit like she's supposed to be she's 11 what, 11 and 4 and this is for a title fight so i mean like yeah she's supposed to win this everything's in the line for her and for me it's just go out there and do it and show what you got and so that's a much to me that's a much better place to be i mean not that i would not kill to be in the exact position that she is in where i'm fighting for a shot at a title you know but it's also you know a good place to be for me as well so um I'm crazy excited about the opportunity. I mean, like I, like I said, I'd still, sometimes I'll walk in and we have this little board in our gym where we write down our, the fighters, it's like a fighter board. And we have like the name of the fighter versus and their opponent. And we couldn't put for the longest time, I just said April the 9th in my name, but there was 
no opponent, no promotion on it. And then now it says her name. They're talking about, I just like, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's exciting. It's, it's all the, it's all the things, it's all the things. And, um, I just can't wait to go out there and, you know, and, and, and go hunting and do the thing that I love to do. And, um, I get to go with my coaches and, you know, we get to travel and have fun and do all the things that are, that are fun. Um, and that's exciting. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show a woman who plans on April 9th to shock the world and well start her own uh, title journey, Bell Tour. I give you once again the Phoenix herself. I give you it's uh, Liv Parker. Uh, Liv, before I let you go, where can fans check you out? Where's the Twitter page, Instagram, the website, and who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up on April 9th? Okay, well, you can um, reach my, I have a website, it's uh, liveparker.com, um, and then at uh, Twitter, it's live for the number four MMA, and, or at live underscore four underscore MMA, um, and then Instagram is live for MMA as well, um, and that's Facebook and Instagram, both at live for MMA, L-I-V for MMA, and then as far as sponsors go, um, I have been incredibly blessed with those because there's been so many like businesses around here that have just embraced me some from the very beginning. Um, and um, they are, we've got, uh, first of all, you know, KMA, they have taken me in under their wing and um, just love me and totally, I can't imagine my life without them. I wouldn't be here for sure. Um, Quaker Second Lube, uh, Cole Graham Drywall, Seymour Nutrition, uh, Great Ridge Insurance, Whitehead Auto Sales, Grit Mouthguards, the Elysium Organization, FBS Combat, Appalachian Apparel, My Cat Cappy, apparently, sorry, Tennis, East Tennessee Pizza Company, Zeus Electric, Best Value Plumbing, um, Premier Handyman, and, um, you know, it's 7-Eleven Live. You know, uh, and just like I said, they've, they've all been absolutely amazing, and I'm so appreciative of them. Um, and um, without them, this journey would not be possible. So thank you to them. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure to all ours. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we're proud to have on the show with Liv Parker. Uh, we got to wrap this up so we can come back. we got final thoughts only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is Blue Wire Hustle Network.
back once again, only on Last Call. Last Call with the Alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. I want to thank my two wonderful guests. It was, first off, we heard our, the first part of the hour. It was none other than Abel Ramos. His interview actually dropped earlier on the Last Call YouTube channel, but wanted to air this interview. He's going to be fighting once again. Brandon Fi- Omar Figueroa on the... PBC on Fox pay-per-view only on the first weekend of May. It's Ruiz versus Ariola be Figueroa versus Ramos. So that fight is definitely going to deliver. And next, and also, Liv Parker will be fighting Kat Zingano this weekend. Bellator 256. I'm looking forward to that fight. Wish her best of luck. Let's basically take a take a, take a trip this past weekend. It was Easter weekend. We had a great Easter. Two champions, I think, this weekend really made statements. And we'll start off in the world of MMA. Um, Pitbull Free Air. Patricio Fitball. Pitbull. Whatever you want to call him, you got to call him this. He is one of the best in the world, pound for pound. And you can say, well, he's not in the UFC. You know, he hasn't fought anybody in the UFC. He has, you know, he literally has knocked out Michael Chandler, who's running roughshod right now in the UFC. He basically has been on a tear, beating up everybody you throw at him. And we saw Manuel Sanchez, who first time around, you know, he it was a unanimous decision victory for Pitbull. But you know, Sanchez did pretty well. We thought, okay, rematch. Sanchez has grown. It was over quickly. I mean, literally, you looked and went, "Holy crap!" First round submission victory. This is what Bellator wanted. They wanted you know to have. The established star versus their rising star. And you're getting that now with AJ McKee versus P- Patricio Pit- Pitbull. And I, as much as I like AJ McKee, you, I had to wonder, though, how do you beat Pitbull? I mean, really, how do you beat him? Because there isn't really a weakness. His last loss was basically an injury where he tore his ACL and basically threw a kick. It wasn't like, you know... Benson Henderson did anything. It was just the weirdest injury, and yet that's his last loss. I mean, since then, he has gone on and destroyed, you know, everybody you throw at him, whether it's, you know, wrestlers, whether it's strikers, whether it's jiu-jitsu people. It's just, the as I said, you've tr- everybody who's tried fighting him, it's not even now, he, he's not even winning by decision. He's just winning now by Sheer just brutality going in there. You know, as I said, first round knockout, Michael Chandler. First round knockout, Pedro, you know, Pedro Carvalho. First round submission, Emmanuel Sanchez. He, it's basically for him just lining his opponents up and he's mowing the lawn and he's just mowing them down like it's cutting the grass. And as I, so I said, you know, if you ever want to see a super fight between a UFC champion and anybody else in the world, this is the one fight you can argue, go, you know what? Make this happen. Well, Kansky versus Pitbull make it happen. Now, it won't because Dana White never you know, crossed the most. But if you want to have, you know, a fight where you look at what the UFC guy might be uh, the underdog, this would be the one fight, I think, where you're, there's nobody in the UFC that matches up with Pitbull. I don't think there's anybody in the world right now who can match up with Pitbull because he is just right now on that level where there is no weakness. He is basically just a man apart from everybody else. The other fight, which is 
I had mixed feelings on, but I'll get to the second was Jamel Herring defending his title against Carl Frampton. He is now, you know, going to be hopefully getting to a unification fight. And it was, it was, it was an, it was an impressive performance. And I was happy, I'm happy for Jamel because he's been through a lot. You know, this is a guy who a lot of people wrote him off after the little Darius Miller fight. And they thought, okay, well, that, that he is what he is. He's going to be a journeyman. He'll be a gatekeeper. And, he, you know, credit to him. He has made adjustments. He has literally, you know, beaten some good fighters along the way. He has turned himself around with Brian McIntyre as his trainer manager. And against Carl Frampton, he just literally outboxed him, made Frampton basically... Unable to get inside. Then finally drops him twice in a six-round TKO. And as I said, I'm happy for Jamel because he's earned that right. You know, And hopefully this leads to a much bigger fight down the line. I feel bad for Carl Frampton. And I feel bad because this is a guy who, for years, he was what we wanted in a fighter. You look and you go, all right. We want our fighters to fight anybody in the world, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And he did that. I mean, people forget he signed with Al Heyman. And right away it was, he took on Alejandro Gonzalez Jr. in in Texas of all places. And that was, that was a tough fight. Gonzalez Jr., Alejandro Gonzalez basically came to fight, you know, didn't back down. And started off literally, you know, dropping Frampton. And, you know, he lost the name of his decision. He lost the name of his decision, but he dropped him twice in the first round, and he made it a damn fight. I mean, if it wasn't for Frampton being that good, we would have a new champion. And then he goes on, and it's, you know, the super fight with Carl Scott Quigg over in the U.K., where he wins the WBA Superman 20 title, MVIBF Superman 20 title. And then he fights Leo Santa Cruz in back-to-back fights. And I remember there at Barclays Center, that was just an amazing atmosphere. It was Mexico versus the Irish. It was just one of those fights where if you, you had to be there because the crowd was just going crazy. And even, you know, the rematch, you know, he took on Leo Santa Cruz in, you know, Nevada, where he lost the time, you know, it's getting you know, a decision. And along the way, you know, there's fights with Nonio Denaire. There's, you know, Joshua, you know, Josh Warrington. Luke, you know, even, you know, Horatio Garcia, Luke Jackson. He fought everybody you wanted him to. He literally, you know, as you said, there was nobody you could say, well, he, he got to this guy. or he, he missed out on this guy here. Gone, you know, he he took on everybody he wanted to, and I think it caught up to him after a while. I mean, the, the two fights with San, Leo Santa Cruz were just physical affairs where you could see it was taking a lot out of him. And then, the, you know, the Donaire fight, that took a lot out of him. Josh Warrington, you know, that fight took a lot out. So I think when he got to Herring, he, he had gone up a weight class actually got two-way classes, and he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't able to do what he usually could do. 
And as I said, I, I, I do feel bad. Because he is he has been the role model in boxing that we that we need, but we don't deserve. He's done everything we've asked him to do, he's done. He wanted to fight, you know, big you know, top guys, he's fought top guys. You want him to come over to America and fight the best, he did that. You want him to dare to be great, he dared to be great. And all, you know, and he wasn't Conor McGregor, wasn't Tyson Fury. He was just a you know a humble low key Protestant from from Belfast, Ireland, who along the way became a star. And I, I think he, in some ways, I think he was a reluctant star. And as I said, hopefully this this retirement sticks. He's earned that right. He is, you know, got to the point where. I think he knows, as you said, he has he has money, he has she has children, he has his wife. Bully to him. He does. He deserves to be happy. He has done everything that you know this sport has wanted and more. So hats off to him. As I said, I'll never forget that fight with him versus Leo Santa Cruz. It was one of the best pure boxing matches you can watch. If you like good boxing, if you like you know tactical fights, if you like action. That had everything you wanted. That was, to me, one of the best fights I've ever been a part of. And I will remember that. Uh, but once we got to wrap this up once again. So for my two wonderful guests, for Abel Ramos, for Liv Parker, this is Chris Connors saying have a great weekend. Have a great rest of the day. We'll be back on Thursday with, with some special guests, including welterweight champion Claire McCaskill. Looking forward to Sorry, Jessica McCaskill. We're really looking forward to seeing her in action. We're looking forward to talking with her and a whole lot more only on This Is Last Call. Last Call with the Alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.